It takes more than having ChatGPT write your email, rescinding your acceptance of a job offer to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering Episode 342. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software developers about all the non-technical stuff that goes into navigating this career, such as how to use computers to write emails to human beings, which will then be interpreted by computers and summarized so that the recipient can save time. That's cybernetics. <laughs> I saw a great meme this week, which was three images. It was like the, the image, it was someone sending an email to someone else. And the, the original image was like, write an email saying, I'm sorry for this or that. And then the AI generated this long, flowy, beautiful message, like with deepest <laughs> regrets. And then on the other end, the email came through and it was like, summarize this email. It's like, Joe says, sorry. <laughs> it was, it's like, we're creating this like a hundred X data increase so that the AIs can talk to each other and interpret for us. Yeah. Someone gets paid for all those tokens generated. Though. That's right. That's right. Oh, anyway, <laughs> I thought that was funny. Dave, do you know what I want to do right now? I do, but I want you to say it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's also what I wanted to happen right now, how I, how I wanted you to reply. So all is according to plan. I want to shout out our patrons that contribute at the level that we do this every week. I want to thank Andrew Reales, Connie Lee, Valentina Datafold, Santa Hopar, Noah Frazier-Logue, Kent C. Dodds, Jenny Kim, Owen Shardle, Craig Motlin, I Love Mavis, the, to- the Stochastic Parrot, Alice Jost, Lan Fair, I feel like it's been a while since I've tried. Yeah, you pushed all the way through, through most one. of the letters. <laughs> that was pretty yeah, good. I, I feel like I owe it. You know, they're okay. getting their money's worth. Kashakton, Ohio, patreon.com.au. We're hiring Ira Chan, Monkey Face Emoji, Jonathan King, testing is documenting.org, Oladapofadie, Will Angel. Agner, <laughs> Nick Hathaway, Travis Sanders, Braden Keynes, John Grant. Bartek Tukowski, Cody Sale, Nick Cantar, and Philip John Basile. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. We show our appreciation by saying these words and also by... You know how in, in cartoons when you snore, the snore noise is like... It's like something what? like that. It's, it's like... Oh, okay. Like it has a little music to it, a little tonality. Yeah, yeah. There's like the... The, the snore noise. I am aware so, of that, and now I'm very eagerly awaiting how you're going to tie that into this. <laughs> Connie Lee. That's what we do. We we repeat these oh, as our snore noises. That's right. Yes. I, I forgot about that, but I do do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's been such a habit. That <laughs> yeah, I mean, I. It, it's like it breathing. I don't even think normal about now. it. just happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, if you contribute any dollar amount by going to softskills.audio and click support clicking support us on patreon you'll get an invite to our slack team and we found a new thing to spend money on we bought the yachts <laughs> and now we are publishing episodes on youtube um, which has some editing and various costs associated with it but hopefully is a way to reach more folks so thank you to to people for supporting and, and it, it helps the show thank you yep the yacht we just couldn't spend all the money on yachts we ran out of, we there was too much money left at the end of the yacht <laughs> I mean, once you have five, the the marginal value yeah. of a sixth yacht is pretty low. It's low. It's low. Yeah. Oh, shoot. My other five yachts are all in the yacht shop. <laughs> Good thing I have my sixth yacht. That doesn't happen that often. <laughs> Not often enough to justify the hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> uh, Should we read a question? 
Yes, I would like to do that. I also wanted to say we have over 900 people in the Slack community now. So if you join, you get access to 934 amazing people who smell great. There's no question mm-hmm. about that. The smell, mm-hmm. the smell in there is just so aromatic. It's great. All right. Well, that's also like joining makes you smell great if you don't already. So <laughs> yeah, true. that's part of how we can guarantee that. Right. <laughs> Okay, so this question comes from an anonymous listener who says, Hello, Dave and Jameson. Thanks for your great work. Your podcast has the bizarre magical property of making me look forward to long drives. (laughs) Well said. Continuing, I have been feeling anxiety over losing my job to AI, especially after all the chat GPT stuff from a few months back. I know that it definitely isn't flawless, but I know that this technology will just keep improving as time goes on. I'm a software engineer with two years of experience, and I can't help but feeling like I will lose this amazing career in the near future. I left my old line of work a couple years back, and I'm in my mid-30s. So switching careers again is a dreadful thought. Is there anything you can suggest to ease my anxiety? Will being more social with my coworkers or aiming towards management help reduce my chances of being automated? Any advice will be great. P.S. If someone tries to replace your podcast with an AI-generated one, I will boycott (laughs) them and stick with you. (laughs) How do you know that hasn't already happened? Yeah, I was going to say, unless it's so good that it's imperceptible. Yeah. Oh, this is a great question. Very timely. I've been thinking about this question a lot from actually a very different angle. Not, am I going to lose my job, but rather... How can I become much, much more productive by using AI-based tools? What's the answer? Uh, so far, no. <laughs> <laughs> I got my pink slip last week and they've replaced me with an AI. <laughs> it wasn't a yes or no question, but the answer is definitely no. Right. <laughs> How much more productive can I be? Answer, no. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, this is uh, an extension of the classic problem of developers where if you spend enough time automating a thing, you'll become more productive at that thing. But then there's, <laughs> it's got to, how long will it take to pay off? How much, yeah. how much time can you waste looking at AI at work to become more productive? <laughs> and how long will it take yes. for that to make up for the fact that you wasted all that time? For every limerick that I ask ChatGPT to generate, I become that much more productive at writing Java code. I, I do have one idea, which I, it's like, write this thing and make it rhyme. That's, 99% of my use case for for <laughs> using these large language models so far. Which is a really cool I asked use it case, to write actually. in iambic pentameter, and then I realized that, I mean, you have to verify these things because they lie. They do lie. Seamlessly. Yeah, very, very well. I don't, I don't know what iambic pentameter is. I couldn't, I was like, I don't know. This looks iambic to me. Yeah, it kind of has an iambic vibe. Yeah, I see the iams in there. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever came up with the word iambic pent- pentameter is just a legend, though. You know? I, so I'm pretty sure it means stuff. Oh, yeah. It's, it's something to do with five. There's like 10 syllables in each line and then alternating emphasis on each syllable or something like that. But I still couldn't tell if it was written that way or not. <laughs> I need an AI that I trust to tell me if it's That's written right. A- you need another pentameter. AI to check the work of the first AI. Uh, and they're both like, yep, looks good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they have each other's backs yeah. solidarity <laughs> they're actually the same entity under the hood <laughs> do, so, do you think there might be a, a part of our audience that doesn't know what chat GPT is you know what probably worth assuming there's someone out there 
Yeah. Do you want to explain what it is? Sure. So I'll pretend like I know what I'm talking about here. So we have this relatively new concept at scale of large language models using a technique that I believe they call stable diffusion or unstable infusion. I don't know. It, it's something something with fusion. Uh, cold fusion. That's what it is. Iambic stable <laughs> fusionameter. Yes. <laughs> I believe. <laughs> where they have trained these machine learning models on large corpuses, uh, corpi, as the AI tells me, of human <laughs> speech or human text, spoken language text, you know, and uh, they have trained these things to now produce plausible responses to very common human questions, or not common, but just naturally express human questions. Th things like, my favorite one I've done is, hey, write me a seven-day meal plan trying to stay in under this many calories per day, three meals a day, and using this percentage of protein, this percentage of carbohydrates, etc. And it will produce a plausible meal plan, and it will fully understand your question in text, of course. And then you can say, now make a shopping list for that meal plan, and it will do that. It's very, 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 very impressive technology. The, the fear here is that this technology will be able to produce code that can replace human software developers, which I think is interesting and, and quite, you know, it's a, it's a possible outcome in the future. One of the ways that we've seen this incarnated is with a, a product called GitHub Copilot, which I've been using. It is also a GPT model, but a, a, an earlier generation of GPT model from the current chat GPT that's taking the world by storm. And it, you know, it will autocomplete large blocks of code. It will, you can take a comment where you write a comment about what you want the code to do, and it will produce code that, that does that or attempts to do that. It's not perfect, as our question asker says, and it, it makes a lot of little mistakes, but it also saves you a ton of time. Time like searching documentation and things like that. So I don't want to shill for a GitHub Copilot, but that I think it's those kinds of products and ChatGPT in general that are making engineers wonder if they'll be replaced by technology. Was that a fair sum up, Jameson? I was Googling instead of listening, <laughs> but it sounded good. Did it sound plausible? Because that's all I'm trained to do. Yeah. GPT-3 was trained on 45 terabytes of text, which is a lot of text. That's a lot of terabytes. Yeah. Sounds terrifying. Yeah, they just kind of like threw the internet at it. I have talked to folks that use GitHub Copilot specifically and have also played around myself with using GPT-3 for code generation. And it's it's incredible. I don't know how else to describe it. It, it can't take vague requirements. Like if you don't know pretty clearly what you want, it won't figure out what you want very well. But if you, if you know like, okay, I need to reduce this array down to, I don't know, an object with these keys. Mm -hmm. Like if you could say the words in English of, of what you want the code to do, it's pretty solid at writing code to do that thing. Yeah. Like it has it has a lot of limitations of, of course, but it's it seems to be on a growth trajectory that is going to become much more impressive in the future. Unless we top out here, I guess. But I don't think we are. Yeah. But will it replace your job? Yeah, and that that's a great question. No. And I I my personal opinion is that like I don't want to wax too philosophical, but I think that People who say, no, this will never replace me are wrong. And people who say, yes, this will replace all engineers are also wrong. My, my prediction for GPT and like AI-based uh, software development technologies is that it will, be, it will be a productivity boost to human beings 
And there will also be a whole bunch of style of code that people just don't need to worry about writing anymore because the machines can write it for them. So I think what will end up happening is we'll start working at a higher level of abstraction where we are generating instructions for machines that previously would get translated to machine code and now are going to get translated from English to machi- to high-level code languages and then and then to machine code. So we're basically just adding another rung on the abstraction ladder for the for where we work, I think. And it'll be more productive and faster and less error-prone. So you already have heard this lament for a while about how programming today is just uh, cobbling together these Lego blocks and you don't really build stuff and don't really understand yeah. what you're creating. Or It seems like if you are prone to that type of thinking, this this feels like a large step further in that direction where now yeah. you're not only you're, you're not even like picking up the legos and plugging them together you're saying hey computer yeah pick up these legos <laughs> yeah. and, and plug them together <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think of some implications of that which are i i think i i suspect it will be a lot easier to get further without really understanding what is going on yeah but also i mean a thing with these language models in general is is their idea of correctness is is pretty different from a human's. Oh, well, yeah. it doesn't really. I don't know. It correctness isn't a thing. It's like, how do I put this? You need to know enough to check to see if the output is correct. That's right. Because it'll look plausible. <laughs> like, um, if if you tell it write me this code in a language I don't understand, um, it probably knows that that programming language better than you do. And like, if you've glanced at a tutorial, then. Sure, it looks. I'm sure it'll look fine. Just like iambic pentameter. I'm like, yeah, that looks like iambic. Exactly. Pentameter. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That. Yeah. Okay. I, like, I, I would believe that. Shakespeare <laughs> writing that. Yeah. So I wonder if it'll like. Does it require just as much investment to learn enough to be able to verify as it does to be able to create? But you'll just be able to do more with that investment, or oh, will yeah. it? Like, you'll you'll create more stuff, but you still need that background of of. Like you, you need to have been able to write it yourself to check to see if it works. You just won't be writing it yourself as much anymore. And and that kind of, that I believe that what you have just described is the current state of the art today. You can today yeah. ask these models to generate code, but it is never 100% correct, except for the most trivial cases. And so your verification is still needed, which requires a high level of training, which requires a human eye. So that is the state today. I think the question is, what should we be looking for to know that these systems have gotten so advanced that actually the human verification is no longer necessary and, in fact, just slows us down, slows the machine down, and cre- introduces errors. You know, it's like kind of like the self-driving yeah. people say, all we have to do is be slightly better than the average human driver, and we've won. You know, and I think that's probably where yeah. AI for software engineers also takes over. So I'm looking for indicators to see, like, all right, is a non-developer, non-trained, not even self-taught software developer creating software applications that are getting usage, whether for themselves or for a larger market of people, that's that's like the tipping point for me. Is If that ever starts to show like it's going to happen, then I think jobs are on the line. Software engineering jobs are on the line. Because if people can produce software without software engineers, why wouldn't they? Yeah. But I haven't seen that. And, and so far I've seen it be, it's almost like, look, I used to dig trenches with a shovel now I dig trenches with a tractor and I can dig a hundred times more trench in a day. And so I'm actually more valuable, but you know, I had to learn how to use a tractor, you know? So yeah. it's like, it's still the, it's still, I'm still the trench digger, 
you know, I still dig trenches and regular people aren't out there digging trenches. But if it ever, if ever a day shows up where someone can just wave their arm and a trench appears with no one else, with no training, then now jobs are on the line, right? Yeah. I hope that wasn't too weird of a metaphor. I was thinking about that in, no, no, that makes a lot of sense to me. I was thinking about like screwdrivers versus drills. Yeah. It's the same type of thing of like. Yeah, do more. Uh, now I can, yeah, do more faster. But I, I don't know. I mean, if you needed a hundred times as long to install all these screws, doesn't that kind of indirectly mean you need fewer people to yeah. man the drills? Could be. Or staff the drills or whatever? Yeah, it could be. And and that's okay. I think in today's market, that's okay because there's such there's so much unmet demand for software production right now because yeah. there aren't enough people to produce it that having all the people who do produce it be 10x or 100x more, more productive might actually bring this market into balance a little bit and have some of that demand be met. So I'm, I'm personally, yeah. I'm optimistic. Like my short answer is no, I don't see any jobs on the line right now, but I do look forward to a day where we are all way more productive because we're using AI assistance to generate our code faster and with fewer errors. I had an important, insightful thing to say. Well, I, I know I know one way to get that insight to come. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even the hint of <laughs> the next question. <laughs> I, I did it. <laughs> brought it back I did out. It. <laughs> what? I have seen at least two examples of developers building systems on top of, of these language models that basically say, generate this code, execute the generated code, and then say, here's the result. Like, if there's an error, fix the error. Oh, so that's so cool. That's, and it's it seems to work fairly well if it's something that you can kind of iteratively try out. Yeah. So that, that's a cool workflow. That is so that, cool. That, I love it. And I think we should be embracing that as developers. I think the absolute wrong thing yeah. to do at this time is to go, ooh, AI, bad, hurt jobs, you know, cost money. No, like bring it on. Let's let's see if we can make ourselves more productive. The Lisp people were right. You just need <laughs> to have like a REPL-based workflow and then yes. you stick in AI where the REPL They, they were right about having a REPL. <laughs> they were wrong about the syntax. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have, I have one more thing just... Just, just to reinforce my point that I think it's going to make us more productive is that I actually took a big block of uh, code this week and I pasted it into ChatGPT and I said, explain this code for me. And it produced a very succinct, nice explanation of the code where it called out the most important functions in the code so that I could go look at those and then be like, aha, yes, it's right. And it, it kind of helped me focus. So instead of just reading top to bottom line by line by line, it said, hey, this is a class interface and these are the three most important methods and here's what they do. And I'm like, aha, I could go kind of figure that out without having to be distracted by noise or it was like it was like 700 lines of code or something, right? So it would have taken me some time to read all of it. Yeah. And, and you know, you don't actually read code line by line. It doesn't make sense if you do that, right? Because the call sites and call order is is different and so you actually it, it's nice to have a starting point so there there you go just one more example of how it's making me more productive and saving me time to get a job done and i think we're going to see a lot more of that and i'm leaning into it actually i've i've uh, i demoed some of these tools to my teams over the last couple of weeks and uh, i'm going to make it mandatory to use to have some of these tools installed in their ides because i'm like just having it there is enough it's worth a few bucks a month to uh, have every developer save, even if it's just 10, mon- 10 minutes a month, I'm happy to pay 10 bucks for those 10 minutes. What I what I would love is the ability to just hand a code base to it and say, and then interrogate it for yep. things about the code base. Because I, I could see this, that working well with the existing systems if, if it's oh, yeah. a self-contained chunk. Or if you write your whole 
code base in one file. Imagine a- <laughs> Maybe that's an argument. Imagine a world where you can point an AI at a giant legacy code base and say, okay, here's my code base. The product manager has asked me to add a feature that looks like this and then just paste a link to the to the um, product spec that the product manager gave you and say, where should I go to start working on this? And what what edge cases should I be aware of? What failure modes should I be aware of? And just imagine it being able to go do that research on 100,000 lines of code and then come back to you and say, here are seven gotchas you should be aware of. Like, this is a productivity booster. Huge. So I'm I'm super on board. You know, I am totally plugged yeah. in and ready to go, ready to embrace this future. Um, and I, But I also don't think it's going to cost jobs. I think it's going to make us more awesome. My My boss has been talking about cybernetics a lot recently as a way to think about this where i i can't remember the exact definition they used but i'll make one up good i hoped you would oh just you mean just like a chat gpt (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly uh it's it's tools to augment human capability so you wouldn't Mm -hmm. you wouldn't say computer what should i do you would say like computer i want to accomplish this task help me do it faster better more accurately help me do the thing Mm -hmm. yeah not not like figure out what to do for me necessarily. That's right. Although I guess that... Although why not? Kind of a fuzzy boundary. Computer, you, here are the things I like. What should I do today for to maximize my happiness? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now we must go to the okay. next question. I think you're up for this one. Yeah, I'll read it. This is from an anonymous listener who says, it's review season. I am an IC software engineer. Uh, IC stands for individual contributor, so not manager. And I'm required to document my impact for the past year. However, I work on an auxiliary team or a new business team that is always trying to find new use cases for the existing product platform. If you look at the numbers, the impact is very low compared to the core business. Also, my team was disproportionately impacted by layoffs late last year. Lots of folks with institutional knowledge and good relationships with the core team were let go, which disrupted our team and contributed to missed deadlines. How do I write my review for this bad year with little to show for it? Well, I've got some good news for you. There are these great AI-based systems (laughs) <laughs> that you may have heard of that can create plausible reviews. In fact, I saw a Twitter thread where someone said, "Hey, I've been asked to I've been asked to justify my existence at my company. Help I I use ChatGPT to fabricate e- examples of contributions I've made that are plausible and just technical enough that no one will investigate whether they're real." <laughs> and it came up with remarkably good descriptions of work for for an engineer. So, if your ethics are a little questionable, that's one way you could go. I used it to write my product manager a rhyming self-review. <laughs> it was pretty good. Oh, my goodness. Didn't have a lot of context about their specific contributions, but <laughs> I don't know. Some self-reviews don't. But it rhymed. <laughs> but it rhymed, that, and yeah. And that obviously and was the part your product manager will remember. Exactly. <laughs> I, it's up to them to choose, to decide whether they will use it or not. But I provided them the opportunity okay i survived that's what you put on your self-review or your review or whatever right like i survived i made it (laughs) everyone else was laid off (laughs) so i must be doing something right still here (laughs) yeah so they, they mention numbers impact low compared to the core business this feels a little bit like maybe there's a business with a a Maybe they're kind of Google shaped where they have a single extremely strong source of revenue mm-hmm. and are reveling in that, but also kind of worried about potential disruption in the future of, of if you have one source of revenue, then that going away means you're, you're toast. So they're, they're kind of like hedging their bets a little bit, I guess. I don't know. Could be. The impact is very low compared to the core business. I, 
I have questions and no answers, but so it sounds like you have some idea of measured impact. Do you have an idea of expected impact? Because maybe that's fine. Yeah. Like maybe the, the measured revenue generated is pretty low, but that's on track with the targets that you're setting because the expectation is this will kind of ramp up slowly over time. That could be. Or maybe it's not. Maybe it's horrible. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. that'd be that'd be good to know. Not just how did it do absolutely. That'd be good to know. How... So you can not mention it in your review. <laughs> or mention it depending on how, <laughs> depending on what you find out. I think in a world where your your impact is limited to the business by virtue of your position in the organization, the way that I would focus my review is based on demonstrated proficiency and competency and contributions within that limited limited potential so that I look more high potential to my employer despite those limitations on my contributions but I would not I would not dwell on the limitations and and share a bunch of reasons well here's why I didn't make a big impact this year well these org char- or reorgs happened and people got lay it off who were really important like that is not at all relevant to your performance in within your sphere and and all you can be expected to do is perform well within the lane that you've been placed in by your leaders now you, you i'm going to wax philosophical here a little but you've you've definitely been potentially the victim of some circumstances but i hope i hope that this lesson you've taken away a lesson from this which is that you have been in a low impact area and that has hurt you and now that's coming clearly into focus. If you see things like this happening in the future, it's very good idea to try to navigate around them so that they don't become a limitation for you. As hard as that can be. So get to a higher impact area or or see if there's work you can do that helps your area have higher impact kind of is that what you're I saying? think so and easier said than done right yeah yeah I'm sure the business would be pumped if if uh, your area didn't produce a lot of revenue and then you said I'll change it and then you did right? like <laughs> yeah <that. laughs> they, they'd be happy about that yeah. so you said don't mention it I, I think it is worth I don't think you want to whine about it definitely not but I think it is worth saying something to to help provide the context for what you've delivered because it's possible that the folks reading your review haven't thought about it as much or it doesn't affect them as much true so i I would still put in like a a little blurb about like despite challenges of i don't know you don't want to sound bitter but but acknowledging like my whole team was let go and you know like uh, and i and i managed to do uh, like this despite that yeah i so the way that I, w- I would couch, I would couch, yes, that's th- what you just said at the very end is exactly what I think is a valuable way to couch that, which is not look at all these bad things that happened to me and I survived, but rather I I chose to operate professionally and supportive of the organization despite headwinds. And here's yeah. how I worked around each headwind. Here's how I demonstrated creativity in the face of restricted resources available, you know, and that that's maybe the spin you're looking for. Of look how creative I am. And the little sailboat and yeah. Sorry, say again. Well, you said, look how creative I am. I said, draw a little picture of a sailboat with headwinds, which I think also would demonstrate how creative <laughs> yes. you are. Look at the sailboat. It's going forward. Yeah. <laughs> how do they go forward when the wind is blowing backwards? Yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible. That's what reviews need more of is illustrations. That's right. Yeah. I, I like that. I mean, 
part of the part of the possibility or danger here is you worked really hard and delivered great results on something that was canned and never shipped. Yeah. And and I don't yeah, I don't know how to account for that because well, that's the wrong way to put it. You know, I'm just doing the time honored tradition of saying what you said, but worse. <laughs> yeah, you can you can still say, look at all this great work I did with the caveat of like circumstances meant that we never launched the thing, but like I delivered really well on it while we were working and, on it. And maybe you don't even like mention that. that it never launched. Just talk about all your great contributions to make it <laughs> successful. No, seriously. Like Yeah. You all know about the famous project Icarus, right? <laughs> we don't it needs no no mention of its impact needs to be made because we're all so familiar. Right. But look at my contributions to it. it. Yeah. It would not have been as successful as it wasn't without my contributions. <laughs> yeah. I do think that's a right the right framing uh, in this situation. That's what I would do. Like I'm I'm thinking about your manager's position where your manager's thinking, "Yeah, I understand that a lot of team members got let go. You had limited access to resources, limited access to the core team. So how did you perform?" And I think you need to highlight, "Look, I'm professional. I support this organization. I kept a positive attitude. I refused to consider myself a victim." And you're you're basically painting yourself as a team player who pushes through challenges regardless of where they come from, whether they were in your control or not. And then that will hopefully paint a nice picture for the future so that you appear, and hopefully you are, a good contributing member of this team. Because guess who Guess who doesn't get a performance review like that? And, and that's the CEO of your company. Your CEO doesn't get the option to say, yeah, well, we had some headwinds, so what am I going to do? You know, it's someone else's fault. Like your CEO has to fight through those headwinds and come out the other side. So try to, I, I, when I do this kind of thing, I try to put myself in the mindset of the people that are receiving the review. And in this case, the mindset is I can't, like, I'm not going to reward excuses. You know, I, like, I would like to, I feel bad for you and I have empathy for you. But at the end of the day, your excuses aren't going to put your teammates' salaries in their bank accounts, you know? So I want people yeah. who are willing to step up to the plate despite limited resources and challenges and show a really positive attitude and then hopefully motivate the whole team to, to do well. So that that's where I would go with this. That'll probably yeah. be a breath of fresh air to your manager, frankly, because I'm sure everyone else is complaining and frustrated and, and having someone who's like, look, I'm here to win and I'm here to help us all be winning, win together. I think that would be really nice to hear. Maybe you're the only one left. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's no one else to, to compare the reviews against. True. Yeah, I like it. Good advice, Dave. Aww. Great job. See, an AI could never give that much nuance and context and and Yeah, it warmth. could though if you just said give more nuance in your answer and then it would generate <laughs> a new one. Okay, now Make add some fake warmer. context that sounds like good advice but isn't. All right. We've done it. We've answered the question. Okay. All is well for now. Until next week. <laughs> when more questions will come. Yes. Like, who's the person that held up Atlas? Atlas is the guy who holds the world up, right? Yeah. Is that you in this picture? I think it's us together. Oh, like one shoulder on each side? Yeah. Yeah. Like, if we miss an episode, then... Except the world constantly falls off and we have to pick it up again. And, and actually, we're not, we're not actually not holding it up. It's holding us up. Is that... Yeah, that's okay. All right. Let's get out of here. <laughs> what can people do if they want their own questions answered? Go to softskills.audio and click the ask a question button where you can fill out our handy dandy form. Thank you so much to everyone who does that. We love reading your questions every week. And we solemnly swear we are not training an AI to replace question generation. But we reserve the right to do so in the future. Oh, okay. We solemnly swear that as of this moment, we have not yet done it. 
I'll and that's only because we don't know how to yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>